Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, Episode 4. I'm your host, Ren. And I'm your co-host, Mateo. And today we're going to be talking about friendships, which are a crucial element to anybody's social life, anybody's happiness, and ultimately, in your path to virtue and reason, they're going to guide you along that path as well. And so it's important that you choose your friends wisely, and when you realize that your friend may not be helping you on that path, you uh, calmly, coolly, collected, remove them from your life. So today we're going to be talking about how to identify and get rid of these toxic friends and um, what makes a good friend, really, because that's important to address. If you want to look for good friends, you need to know what qualities you're looking for. And then some specific problems that plague Gen Z, especially around social media and finding friends and maintaining true, meaningful relationships. Right, and to build off, I mean, with social media comes a, a bunch of false validation, measuring your popularity and likes and just having a bunch of cheap dopamine. Uh, this can just be through Snapchat, Instagram, any way that you're interacting with other people digitally. And it certainly seems that as teenagers, our brains aren't fully developed, and so you certainly have those people who go throughout their teenage years looking for those like Hollywood high school moments of drama and just really inciting kind of meaningless drama, meaningless conversation and dragging you into things that you certainly don't want to be a part of and most people don't want to be part of. And that's not specific to Generation Z, but it is specific to people our age and our audience because we're teenagers and we see this every day and so it's important to address it. Yeah, and as you mentioned, because we are teenagers, it's and our brains are still developing, it's a lot easier for us to become addicted to certain things like social media and that mm-hmm. instant dopamine. So the, uh, social media targets our generation specifically, I believe, and because of that, it's much easier for us to fall into the toxic cycle of false validation and um, taking things and putting them into a greater scale when they really shouldn't be. They should just be kept very simple. Right, I think that while friendships are important, it's, it is kind of easy when you know both what your values are and what you're looking for to find those meaningful friends. I agree. So what are those values? I think we should discuss first, if we're talking about friendship, what makes a good friend? What defines a good friend? And to me, I think, first and foremost, they have to share your values. They have to share your morals. It's like a relationship. You can't be with somebody if they have the complete opposite values that you do. It's It's the cliche that if your people are around you that are doing things that you don't approve of or that you don't like, remove yourself from that situation. Right. Uh, if, if they share your values, they will question you when you abandon them. And so that's just another tool you have. We talked about self-approval and how to maintain routine and meet your goals by holding yourself accountable. But you have even more power if your friends and people around you are doing the same thing. And so it's important that they share your values and your morals and know where you're coming from so that when you abandon them, because you will, you will relapse, you will have struggles. Right. You need people who are going to pick you up instead of encourage those behaviors or not say anything about it. For sure. And and like you said, if you have somebody with the same values as you, when you both come across a problem, instead of it being you versus the other person, it's you and the person against the problem. Right. And then it becomes much easier to overcome obstacles that you encounter within a relationship. Community, community is imperative. And I think we're a community of people who are looking to improve themselves and grow sure. and add to your community with people who are similar, not people who are doing things that are bad, go against your morals, or aren't really productive. I think teenagers largely focus on the social element of parties Mm -hmm. and illegal behavior and things that, you know, come with the territory of being a high school or a college student. But if that's not your thing, be proud of that and surround yourself with people who that's also not their thing because they're focused on bigger and better things. Exactly. And and having your own 
morals and set of standards and just sticking to them. That's not a bad thing. And that leads me into my next point. Our next point of what makes a good friend is remaining true to your word. Yes. When you give, and this is something I need to work on for sure. I mean, I I tell people I'll do something and I, sometimes I don't go through with it. You know, life happens, but you must do your best. If you give someone a promise, if you tell someone you're going to do something, you must do it because that not only affects you as a person, but it affects your reputation and your reputation is one of the most important things that you have that you cannot, that you can control. Right. There's nothing better than a genuine person. And that's really hard to find nowadays. People are going to prioritize themselves largely over you and that's to be expected and that's reasonable i think that we as individuals do the same thing but it's important to have people who while they put themselves ahead most of the time they are willing to make time for you they're willing to be genuine and that's a very great thing and in addition to that if they're genuine they're also going to acknowledge your boundaries and not push you it ties back into the sharing your values and morals right if you're with somebody who's doing something that you don't like and they encourage you to do that and they push you to do that yes. with a peer pressure, that's simply not a good friend. Right. You need people who are going to respect your boundaries because that's boundaries right. are very important, right? We all are trying to grow, but people do it in different ways and in different paths and are going to have different boundaries. And right. so while they can hold you accountable, they need to respect your boundaries. If you were somebody who is more sensitive, they need to approach it in that way and respect your boundaries of there are areas that are sensitive right. to you that they don't go at and they're um, nicer or they're more calm-mannered with Agreed. you. Agreed. And, and that, with setting boundaries, that's going to come with great communication. And you need two people to have really good communication in order to set up very firm boundaries that neither of you go past for one another. And also, if, I, if you set boundaries and you expect me to not cross your boundaries, I would expect the exact same thing from you. Exactly. Now, I am not setting boundaries expecting something from you because that's what I want. I'm just expecting that you are going to have the respect that I am giving you because it's two very high-value people in a high-value relationship, that is what should happen. And a, and a good friendship, comfort is a given. And I think comfort exactly. comes with respecting boundaries because you know that whenever I go and hang out with this person, whenever I talk to this person, it's going to be a comfortable setting. Right. If you're with people who don't respect your boundaries, you're always going to have your guard up. Mm-hmm. And it's important in a friendship. Everything in a friendship has to be mutual. You, right. you touched on that, and it's absolutely true. But the most important thing is mutual familiarity and comfortability. Right. You can't be with somebody who makes you uncomfortable because right. then you aren't going to live true to yourself and you're not going to express yourself, which suppresses your ability to grow and teach other people and mentor other people. Exactly. And and with growing, I mean, and the mutual relationship that you have in having a good friend, you're going to have, you need to have a friend that wants to see both themselves improve, but they also want you to improve. Right. They would rather see both of you grow than just one individually. I, there are many relationships that I know uh, people at our school and in my job, anywhere that I am, where I see someone doesn't want someone to do better if they're doing better than them. That doesn't mean they want don't want them to succeed, but as long as they are shining brighter than their friend, right. they're happy. Absolutely, and I think that's the important thing. Obviously, you want people who want to improve themselves, but the next step is wanting to see you succeed. I, I think about, we took the SAT together, we did. and you think about the people in that class, we're surrounded by people who are very intelligent, but they're also very competitive. Right. And there's value to being competitive, but you can't put competition ahead of your friendship. Exactly. It doesn't work that way because then you're just going to be out competing each other, mm-hmm. and that leads to an unhealthy imbalance where somebody feels inferior and somebody feels superior. Friends need to feel equal. And I, and I see that to an extent, but I also believe as well with competition, I think being competitive will also allow you to push each other as friends, but in a healthy way. It can't be 
oh, I'm doing better than you and I'm going to keep doing better than you. It's, oh, I'm doing better than you, but I'm going to try and pick you up and bring you to where right. I am. And that's where that comes in, that they want to see you succeed. If they're succeeding, exactly. they're going to try and bring you to their level right. instead of just bragging They don't want to leave you behind, right. 100%. And, and I think, <clears throat> it, to go into another point, I, these are all kind of intertwined together. When you're competing, they're going to be brutally honest with you, right? 100%. And honesty is another thing. Everything has to be mutual in a friendship. That includes familiarity. That includes comfortability. But it also includes trust. And if your friend is somebody who is genuine and always honest with you, that's going to build trust a lot quicker than somebody who lies or is shady about their actions. And so you need somebody who, and this ties back into the drama, a lot of teenagers are not truthful. I think because of just the way that life is set up, and the fact that a lot of us aren't mature yet, and we certainly both struggle in areas where we're immature, people are more quick to lie at this age. And so 100%. it's a good marker of a friend if they are truthful with you, right. if they're brutally honest. And while you could be sensitive to some things, it's better that you have somebody hold you accountable and say, hey, you need to stop doing this because it's hurting the people around you, it's affecting your reputation, or right. it's ultimately um, harmful to yourself. Right. It's much better to have people who are honestly rude and mean to you about it and right. hold you accountable than somebody right. who's going to lie to you and be like you're doing great when in reality you yeah. aren't and and that's exactly right i mean ultimately when people say facts over feelings that's exactly what i think about when you when we bring up this topic because for example let's say you were one of my best friends which you are and you were just out drinking and you were like oh i'm doing great like i'm having a great time and person i'm not saying that drinking is horrible but i know that for us we try to focus on our health and our keep our minds clear so it would be better for me to tell you, you are not doing well. Mm-hmm. Your habits are terrible. Right. You need to fix your health mm-hmm. in a more cruel and just crude way than when saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'm glad you're enjoying your life. I'm glad you're having fun. It, this is really good for you when it's not. And that ties me back to just knowing your boundaries and knowing having the same morals. Right. Because if we share the same morals, I'm going to know that you wouldn't do anything that I wouldn't want to do. Right. Because if you do that, then I'm not going to want to hang out with you. Exactly. Right. And. If you were in a friendship, you two are always not always going to want to hang out with each other. I think even in the most healthy of friendships, you certainly butt heads. But if you're doing habits that turn each other away from each other, it holds yourself accountable once again. Right. And I know that perfection is something that we're striving for but is nearly impossible to accomplish. Right. But we just want to see consistency from each other, and I know that you right. really value consistency. For sure. And with, with consistency, I mean, you want a friend that's going to remain consistent with their goals and mindset and not it's not going to matter who they're with. So let's say if I had a girlfriend, which I don't, but imagine that I did. Hell. <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> now, neither, if do I, I, neither do I. It's okay. If I, if We're I, just letting you guys know. <laughs> if I acted different around you guys than I did my girlfriend, then I wouldn't have respect for me if I were you. I wouldn't respect me because I will act, I will share the same morals and values with every person that I come across because Mm -hmm. I believe that pure honesty is the only way to live an honorable life like Stoics did. Right. And if to you, if I was preaching all this Stoic and this philosophical information and just my values to you, but then I was with my girlfriend and I was kind of just different, you know, I wasn't really living by that. I was allowing somebody else to change the way I was acting. Right then that's not a good friend. You want someone who can stand the ground. And I think we all know somebody who is pretty malleable and changes their mindset depending on who they're with. Of course. If they're with people who are kind of not on the stoic journey, they're going to assimilate with them 
and share the ideas. Right. Versus they're with people who are <coughs> really trying to, you know, hone into that virtue, then they're going to do that. You can't be a part-time friend. I know that Seneca talks about fair-weather friends mm-hmm. who are only there doing good times. I think that it's both consistency within the friendship and outside of it. If a, a person is inconsistent with you and changes their mindset with other people, you have to reason then if you change and you abandon your path, right. they're not going to support you in that vein. Right. Or if you come across bad fortune, then they're going to act like it's bad fortune and abandon you in that time. Right. And um, with ha- being consistent in your friendships and having clarity in both of your goals and how you would react if one, e- if one of each other needed help in a situation like that, you need to understand that you're in both ways you are going to have to have trust. Mm-hmm. And although it may be uncomfortable to rely on somebody else, because in, in my opinion, in today's generation, it's very hard to put your trust in other people. Because I've seen countless times with myself and with my friends, people get let down. Right. And they trust another person. They become vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But in a healthy and strong friendship, vulnerability is what's going to bring you two together. Right. Because if you can just set everything hard about you aside and just come together as two people and be vulnerable with each other, you're going to connect in ways that you never have before. Well, the analogy that I like to use is your areas of vulnerability, your secrets, your things that you only tell the people you trust is like a jar of marbles. And so... Initially, you're just taking one marble at a time and one tiny piece of information, you know, kind of lifting that shield and just being a little bit vulnerable. Mm -hmm. If you are repaid with trust, then you eventually take a handful and then you eventually dump the whole jar out versus if you're, you know, you're rewarded with somebody using that information against you or using that um, area of vulnerability to put you down instead of build you up, you kind of retract and then you put the lid on the jar. So I think that... If I was ranking qualities of my friends that I place of the most important, mm-hmm. number one is trust. Trust. Because for me, my friends are my community. They're my village. And I think that nobody can succeed just by themselves. Yeah, yeah. We may it's like to think so at times, but nobody, right. you're going to need help from people eventually. Right. You can be doing great, but you will fall at some point and right. you need people to pick you up. And those people are the people that you trust. Right. Ultimately, trust is the foundation of any friendship. And I think that. Seneca has a great quote on trust. He says that if you consider any man a friend whom you do not trust as you trust yourself, you are mightily mistaken, and you do not sufficiently understand what true friendship means. (coughs) When friendship is settled, you must trust. Before friendship is formed, you must pass judgment. And that goes back to my analogy. You ultimately are going to judge everybody that you come into contact with, but you put that aside if you're rewarded with trust. So I think the key is you do have to be vulnerable. You do have to put yourself out there, but eventually you will find the right people and you will be rewarded, but make sure that you are rewarded with trust versus just a false friend. And, and with trust, and I, I, I like how you talked about like the marble analogy because right. that's a very good one. And what I think about that as well is with um, caring about yourself, you're going to care about your privacy and what you share with other people. But that brings me to a quote from Marcus Aurelius that says, I have often wondered how it is that every man loves himself more than the rest of all men, but yet sets less value on his own opinion of himself than of the opinion of others. And so essentially breaking that down just means that you care about others' opinion more than your own opinion. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about vulnerability, you have to have your own opinions and your own morals in order to be vulnerable with somebody. Because if you don't truly believe what you're saying, how could you ever be honest with somebody else? Well, and I think to let our viewers in, 
I think our journey together as friends is definitely indicative of that. I think that we were both vulnerable at times and we grew through stoicism. And I think that that's kind of where we're at and what we're trying to impart. I think I shared a lot of things with you that I have told very few people. You've done the same exact thing and we analyzed it through kind of a philosophical big picture lens. And we grew together. I think that I would certainly call you one of my close friends now. And it's just imperative that people kind of do the same exact thing right and I, I think another important thing about that is it to highlight is it doesn't happen overnight no you know I've it's known, a journey I've known you since what like sophomore year right and sophomore year we weren't even that close no and even last year junior year like we talked a fair amount Honestly, but it wasn't like this no I wouldn't even <coughs> classify and certainly you may have a different opinion I wouldn't even classify us as close friends until about six months ago I would agree with that statement and it's because neither of us were vulnerable with each other. I think that um, both of us were shallow, and I think that it speaks to we're certainly passing judgment right now, but it is a journey, and it takes both time and patience because with certainly and with certainly people may present themselves as something, but you have to get to know them and be vulnerable to find out what they're really about because you don't know what people are about until you get to know them. And you especially don't know what people are about on social media no that that brings me to having the illusion of having a ton of friends you don't truly know what somebody's made of over no. the screen like you can you can have all these values that we listed of a good friend you know trustworthy right. genuine consistent shares your morals but you're not going to find that out through an app no you're not even it doesn't matter how many private stories you're on no you're not truly going to know something about a person unless you truly connect with them face to face we didn't like we personally we didn't connect through snap or even through texting i think i think we just connected through deep conversation when we were together face to face and i think that people need to realize that snapchat and other forms of social media are detrimental to their health because they think that they have those friends but they truly don't get to know them and they are prioritizing that constant attention that constant dopamine that constant feedback of oh she or he snapped me oh they posted let me go respond to that instead of sitting down and saying you know wouldn't it be great and of instead of seeing their story i was with them and having like a meaningful conversation or we were having experience that is memorable and provides me joy right and if you if you really think about it if you really just set your phone down sit here and just think about it what is snapping somebody gonna do constantly just pictures of your face no no context no text no conversation what does that do but they're number one on your best friends list though swell pardon me <laughs> i'm mistaken no but seriously I, I i i won't lie freshman year i i was definitely in that loop but then i sat back and i was like what is this doing for me so i don't remember someone told me like i don't i don't i'm not rocking with that and they were because they were honest and firm with their opinion it rubbed off on me and i sat there for a second and honesty. thought about it yeah, honesty they were honest and they didn't compromise their opinion just so I would feel better. Mm-hmm. They, we weren't even that close. I, and they just told me, I'm not rocking with that. I'm not with that. I don't agree with this. And it stuck with me. And it ultimately changed the way I view social media. And now I don't have it at all. Right. And we talked about this in our New Year's resolutions episode. But I think that how you get out of that is you leave yourself an outlet. Because we're not saying that every person you snap isn't meaningful. We're just saying it's not the platform to have those meaningful conversations or right. build that relationship with. Right. And so what you do is you get yourself off of those apps and you build those meaningful relationships because you give yourself an outlet by when you delete Snapchat, when you delete social media, those people that you care about and that you know and are meaningful to you, 
You're like, here's my number. Mm-hmm. Or let's go do something. Right. So instead of you know constantly snapping them, you replace it with that meeting. And I think that pays mm-hmm. absolute dividends. Definitely. And when you, when you do that, when you give somebody your number instead of constantly seeing them on Snapchat every day, you learn to appreciate your friendship more because you're not with them as often. It's a prioritization too. I think that 100%. in our generation, pretty much having Snapchat, having Instagram, having social media is a given. And so somebody taking the time to say, you know what, both A, not even having it, I think makes right. you stand out. And B, taking the time to say, you know what, I'm deleting this, but I'm not going to leave you in the dark about what of I'm course, doing. Right. Here's my number, text me whenever you need me. Yes. When we, I was in class the other day, and we had, we were doing like an icebreaker, because it's the beginning of the um, spring semester. Mm-hmm. And our teacher said, one side of the room, if you would rather be banned from Instagram forever. And the other side of the room is if you'd rather be banned from Snapchat forever. I don't have either, man. There were two, I don't have either. There were three, two or three people on the mm. side that would rather be banned from Snapchat forever. Everybody else was on the Instagram side because they would rather stick with Snapchat. And to myself, I just thought, why? And my teacher turned to me and she said, do you not feel left out? And I said, left out from what? What, right. am, I, what am I missing? Exactly. Th- there is... I'm not losing value. As a matter of fact, I think I'm being more productive, staying off my phone, doing high-value things like mm-hmm. reading, meditating, going to the gym. Right. There's nothing you're missing out on. No. Then again, those are my morals. Therefore, yeah. I don't see it as something that I'm missing. Well, if, and it's also, I think we need to acknowledge, it's hard to come to that point. Like, you certainly said you relapsed with social media. So have I. It's a struggle because initially you do feel left out. Right. But that's just because of how it's programmed and how you, you really are addicted to it. Agreed. Um, and also what your morals are in that moment as well. Right. But getting off of it, I think we serve as proof, and there are certainly many more than us, that once you do that and you take those hard steps, that's just part of being a stoic, first of all, is you take hard paths, mm-hmm. you make hard decisions, right. and you get through it because that's something you have to go through. Right. But once you get off that path and you succeed, you're in a place of higher value than the people who are still in that trap. Agreed. And so you have a different perspective. So for the people currently on social media, which I would anticipate is a fair amount of people listening to this podcast, right? it's about friends really is that give yourself that outlet, have meaningful friends, but try to get yourself off the app as much as possible. Right. And we're not hating on social media because clearly without it, we wouldn't be able to advertise this. And no, there's benefits to it. We want to acknowledge that social media in itself is a good thing um, if you use it the right way. Spreading valuable information very quickly is a very good thing, and I believe that that's the future for the world. But I believe that also the access to toxic, centrally suggestive, misconstrued, false, violent information to youth especially is why social media is so terrible at the moment. And as well as just the addictive way that the apps are developed for our youth and to keep us addicted so they keep making money and everything. That is just very... Those pesky algorithms. There's something very wrong about it. Um, And as well with social media, if you are always on social media, you're always going to be comparing yourself to other people, whether you think you are or not. And there's a quote from Marcus Aurelius that says, how much time he gains who does not look to see what his neighbor says or does or thinks, but only at what he does himself. Not to say that you shouldn't look at other people's lives for insight on maybe, oh, they do this. This would be useful for me to try and implement rather than saying, oh, this person's so pretty, I could never be that pretty, or he's so ripped, I could never get that right, because most of it is a lie, unfortunately. It really is. I mean, people show the top 1% of their lives when they're posting. That's they show, social media is, yes. They show what the best things are. But again, you don't get to know them because they don't show you their vulnerable moments. They don't right. show you the moments where things aren't going right. That takes meaningful conversation, 
And I think the conclusion to take is that not that social media is this terrible, evil thing. A lot of aspects about it are, but there are certainly mm-hmm. good things. The thing to take away from it is don't prioritize social media. Right. Prioritize those meaningful people and meaningful conversations, mm-hmm. not an app that contains mindless scrolling and mindless comparison and mindless, you know, just right. jabber. Once, once you become aware of how much time you're spending on these apps, you must become aware of every action that you're taking. Mm-hmm. And when you become aware of what you're doing, from the smallest things, from two scrolls on TikTok to bigger picture things, it will be easier for yourself to understand how much time you're wasting. With As with any addiction, the first step is realizing that you have an addiction and addressing right. the problem. And that can be hard, especially when you're like, no, I'm not. I just come on here when I'm mm-hmm. bored. Well, you said it, not me. Right. Take Take the first step, if there's any conclusion. Take the first step. Reach out if you want help. Reach out if you want that meaningful conversation. Um, our phone lines, our ears are certainly open to any concerns you have, any questions. For sure. So with that being said, let's get it to the you know, F- little fun segment. Fun segment. Take a quick break. Right. Uh, first of all, I'd like to address the guest speaker spot giveaway. We really, uh, we're very appreciative for the views that we got. We were very successful in our first week. I think our first launch was something that we weren't expecting. So, but there is, you know, there's very little engagement as I see it. There's only two people that are qualified for the guest spot giveaway right yeah, now. I see. Yeah. So. The same thing. To be the first guest speaker on this podcast, follow our Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, whatever platform you listen mm-hmm. on. And comment on our post of the first three episodes mm-hmm. for this podcast and on our YouTube. Yes. It's that simple. Just engage with us. We love our audience. We love the people that listen to us, We're and we want to hear you, your feedback. We're doing this for everybody. So, And, you know... With feedback, we grow, and we want to reward that with the first guest speaker spot on this podcast. I agree. But we've we've hammered that home, so, <coughs> so that's all we need to say about it. Today, for our fun segment, we're going, you know, a little nostalgia. A little more wholesome. Favorite elementary school memory? I'll let you go first. I think for me, I was thinking about it. Um, it's not one memory. It's it's one action that I took every day in elementary school. Oh, that's so cliche. So I can't, I can't choose, I can't choose. <laughs> but every morning, we had a morning recess before school. And before school? Before school. Like at 8 in the morning? So I think I believe school started around 7.30, and if you got there early, um, you'd be behind the school at the park, the playground. And That's crazy. Every single day, we would I would play tetherball. Well, mine, I'm not going to go cliche. Um, I certainly could pick a lot of memories. But one that stands out to me, um, just as memorable is I was the kid who, like, peaked in elementary school. Like, I was running the lunch tables. Like, I was running the social game in elementary school. Certainly don't do that anymore, but I peaked in elementary school. So for me, like, lunch periods were the best. Mm -hmm. And this one day we decided, you know, um, somebody had, like, a chocolate bar in their lunch. And so I was like, we're going to do something. You don't get to have that thing. Yeah. Like, we're going to do something to see who deserves it. Okay. And so there's, like... They lined up like four like of those like igloo like water coolers. Yeah. And we were like, sure. let's have a water chugging contest. Oh yeah. And so literally the table was like this size and it was full of water cups. I won the competition by drinking twenty two cups of water. That's, That's just consecutive. And How then, many times consecutively did you pee after that? Uh just once. Okay. Nice long <coughs> experience. World record time. But my, my favorite part is, so, I'm sitting there eating the chocolate bar, and the kid who was competing with me, so, like, we were both at 20, and we had to do something because it was, like, the end of lunch, so we got an entire, like, water bottle, 
and both chug that. Yeah. And so, like, he gets done. He's like, oh, you know, he's, like, all hyped up. And then he just goes, like, <laughs> and he, like, runs to the bathroom. Oh, no. And so <laughs> the teachers didn't know what was going on because he puked, like, three times during the class period after That's lunch. That's crazy. And I'm just sitting there maniacally eating my chocolate bar. And the good days, weren't they? I, I'm telling you, I peaked in elementary school. I don't know if that's a good time to peak, but hey, man. Socially, I mean, I peaked. Socially? Fair enough. Mentally, I'm peaking bullet. now because I'm a stoic. I was absolutely bulletproof in elementary school. I wasn't. I was a troublemaker. I threw a I threw a cracker in the cafeteria in, I believe it was fourth grade, and I got sent to the principal's office. So. That's weak. I glued somebody to their chair. Okay, well, I'm going to cut that. Well... <laughs> Anyways, I, I'd say we should probably get back to topic now, but... Yeah, we have um, about... We're three-fourths of the way to, like, 40 minutes, so... Okay. We need to, like... Yeah. All right. So, enough being said about the fun segment in elementary school. It's it's a nice time to reflect, but let's get to back to more pressing issues. So previously, so, we've um, identified what is a good friend, and we've gone over that and the aspects of that, but now I think the important part is how should you remove and identify toxic friends and why it's very necessary it's a very necessary process for everybody to take well and not not even toxic we label it as toxic but toxic takes many forms and that's kind of just like a catch-all right it, it depends on the person and mm-hmm. the, but this is in our opinion this is like a step-to-step guide for anybody um the first thing as we touched on previously was understanding what your specific values and your morals are you must do a very thorough self-evaluation of yourself and be brutally honest with yourself even about the things you don't like even even as a stoic or just as a stoic you know anything you take any path you take any decision you make as a stoic starts with reason and self-evaluation right and that is very important for friends because if the basis for a friendship that we've outlined that we've seen has been the most successful practice is they share your morals you need to understand what they are right and when you do that you can assess what a toxic friend is because you have those mindset of this is what I cherish, this is what I value, this is what I practice. And if there's a person who doesn't align with that, then clearly they are not somebody who is truly your friend right. or is a good friend, right. you could say. And it doesn't even matter if that was somebody very you, you loved very much and you cared very much about growing up. If th- This is the hardest part about friendships. They don't last forever. No. That's hard to accept. And I've been in friendships that I was very close and then we just broke off. Like they move or we just go right. separate paths. But no matter how close you are to this person, you must stand your ground and never compromise your beliefs. Now, I'm not saying you can't take advice from somebody else and maybe use that to implement mm-hmm. your own life. But with the very firm, staple beliefs that you have, and this was um, mentioned by Cato the Younger previously, and this is one of his biggest beliefs, is that you will never compromise your beliefs for anybody. You cannot do that. If somebody is able to mold you into what they want you to be, then you're a... Then I hate to say it, I believe that makes you weak. I believe you are a very strong person, no matter how manipulative somebody else is trying to be, if you yeah. hold your ground and hold your beliefs, mm-hmm. that's what you must do. Right, because it's it's self-approval, it's not the opinion of others. Exactly. So if they, you don't approve their actions and you don't necessarily put them in their place but remove yourself from that situation, you need to be proud of yourself regardless of what other people say. Right. And I think you touched on that friendships aren't permanent and even as close as you can be to a friend, there are situations that are outside of your control that happen and I think that the thing to preach is that if you surround yourself with good friends the loss of a good friend isn't really everything because Seneca says in his letters of a stoic that you know there were uh, that if I have lost a good friend 
I have no false friend I must endure in his place. Right. As a Stoic, you go through loss, acknowledging that the loss has happened, but not necessarily grieving over it, because it's what happens in place of that. If you are surrounded by good people, people who build you, you lose one person from that circle, another steps in their place. The community steps in that place and serves what that person helped you through, helped you to achieve. That, and that's exactly what stoicism is as well, is understanding that you cannot control everything, but you are responsible for everything that happens to you and how you react to the situation. Now, let's say you and your friend part ways because he he or she may pass away in like an accident or something. Mm-hmm. No, you can't control that. Right. You can control, though, exactly how you respond. And it's what, all about and, and the steps that you take next to living an honorable life doing what they would want you to do because they are your friend therefore you share the same morals and values and you will live a life where you do make them proud and you will see them again right and that motivation isn't really like a specific stoic thing but instead of grieving over that person while certainly grieving is a natural process and it will happen right and i don't think you should view yourself as weak don't grieve always right eventually use it as motivation to say that you know he helped me to get to where I am today, right. I'm going to continue to grow in his or her honor right. and live up to their expectations even though they may not be here anymore. Exactly. It's, it's totally fine to grieve, but what it's not okay to do is to stay grieving. Right. It's okay to get knocked down, but it's not okay to stay there. You will have to get back up eventually if you want to keep continuing on your journey to success. Everybody faces hardships. They may be worse for you. They may be better for some, right. but ultimately the test of your strength as a person is how you respond to them because you need to acknowledge that everybody goes through them and right. if you respond accordingly and you respond well, then you are much better than most people. Exactly. And, and in that, in acknowledging that, you have to ask yourself as well, quoting Marcus Aurelius again, whenever you are about to find fault with someone, ask yourself the following question. What fault of mine most nearly resembles the one that I am about to criticize? So let's say you were going to remove someone because they were too heavily blinded by the illusion of popularity. Right. I, you know, you identify first... We've clearly um, stressed that. How do you go about it? I would say that starts ultimately with with self-evaluation. You have to be honest with yourself what your flaws are. And your flaws are determined by what your values are. Mm -hmm. For everybody, that's going to be different. So for me, I personally believe that the illusion of popularity in high school is total BS. Therefore, if I were allowing myself to be controlled by the opinions of others, in in the sense that oh, I'm not very well-known, so I must talk to people that add zero value to my life so I can be well-known. That would be my flaw. Now, let's say I had a friend, his name was Jim, and he was the exact same way, and I was about to criticize him for feeding into popularity. Well, I have to take a look at myself first. It's not fair to judge someone if you're guilty of the exact same thing. Well, and I think that goes into, after you identify, how do you remove those people from your life or get yourself out of that situation? And again, like most things, is self-evaluation. I think that through a stoic lens, when you are removing people from your life, it's more about your values and virtue and what you're striving to achieve rather than emotion. I think when people get in a fight, especially as friends, you let emotion get in the way so that what you are saying is out of anger or out of sadness or out of an emotion. And this is where we say things that we when we look back we're like oh I didn't mean that we regret or we unfairly criticize because you already know your flaws so it is unfair to criticize others for them but there's two paths you can take if there's somebody who that's just one flaw that they have but they have that trustworthiness and they want to grow with you want to succeed then you say you know 
brother, I see that you're struggling with this, and I am too. And I hate to see you struggle, and I certainly am not enjoying my struggle. So use the example of Jim and the popularity thing. You say, let's talk about it, and let's grow together, and let's realize that we may not be well-known, but we know each other, and we have a meaningful relationship that needs to be acknowledged, and we don't need to be talking to these people who are going to be a bad influence on us. Exactly, and when you have those conversations with your friends, and they respond in a negative way, they get mad at you, and they feel like you are picking on them there, that you're trying to control them, that is your sign to let go. Right. That is your sign to let go. Because true friends know that we only have each other's best interests in mind. Mm -hmm. So if I were to criticize you, it's for your best interest because I want to see you succeed. Especially if you approach it in a way that I'm also struggling. Exactly. And it must be vulnerable. It's empathy. As well. Exactly. It's empathy. If you respond with empathy, um, with very little negative emotion, right, and just are honest in an attempt to see them succeed, and they respond negatively, you are correct. That is a sign to let go. Right. And, and that's that's the other path. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're okay. That's the other path. Is that if they respond poorly to that, they respond negatively, they cuss you out, they get angry at you. Right. Then you take the other path, which is removing that person from your life. And the way to do that, in my personal opinion, is be honest with them, be, be transparent. Don't just kind of slip away. Right. You, know, you just tell them, hey. No ghosting. No ghosting. I, I believe that ghosting is a product of social media because it's very easy to just stay behind a screen and slowly disengage with the situation. Correct. I think it is very, and this goes back to brutal honesty, you just have to tell them, hey, I really... Um, have enjoyed knowing you and I hope that we can be mutual and acquaintances however I just think it's better if we part ways maybe just go our own way and then if we end up back together in the future so be it right but I think for now it is healthier for me to disengage with this relationship well and that's the way you do it is that it's about health it's about value it's about something it's not emotion it's not you know no. you're doing this and it makes me mad you're doing this and it saddens me to see that it's you know, I'm trying to grow as a person, and I would really like to see you succeed with me. But unfortunately, right now, you are acting in a way that I don't think that you want to either. Right. And so, I can't have that in my life right now. It's not good for me. And that's not a selfish thing to do at all. That's a very responsible no. action to take. Somebody might view it as selfish. If you if you told me that and I viewed it as selfish, I think that's a um, that's projection on my part, because I would believe that that's not right but that that what that shows about me is that i have never truly reflected with myself enough to understand that a true friend wants me to grow and is telling me that to help me mm -hmm. I, and ultimately in a journey of self-growth that we are currently on that we want our audience to join us on you do have to prioritize yourself sometimes yes, but it's through do. the guys that you want to improve and you want to make a difference not just because you know oh this is what interests me right now right you're thinking long-term. Yep. And so it has to be through the guise of long-term growth. I think that people focus too much on their short-term feeling towards a friend. Mm -hmm. And while we need to certainly acknowledge that friendships end, we also need to acknowledge that if we want to grow as a person, we have to think long-term and we have to do the same with our friends. Exactly. And hopefully they return the favor. Yeah. And so as we wrap up this episode, what we really want you to take away is that Find those values in a true friend. You know, find a trustworthy person. Find an honest, genuine person. Find someone who's kind and is oriented towards seeing you succeed versus right. just strictly competing with you. Mm -hmm. And seek that meaning with those qualities versus, you know, just a social media friend. Yep. And ultimately, you'll see that pay dividends because you're going to have a community around you 
who's going to support you and grow you instead of you know tear you down and mm-hmm. bring you to their level of things that aren't necessarily productive that we see plague so many teenagers yep. and, and they so will, and they'll go to great lengths to see that you don't struggle they will go to great lengths to protect you from harm and even when you find people who are your friends currently who don't do the same thing we've discussed identify that by mm-hmm. self-evaluation and then applying that to them and then just you know be nice about it be non-emotional be non-confrontational but just say hey you know you're not supporting my growth right now, and so it's unhealthy to have you in my life. And I think that right. ultimately will just be so beneficial to people. And who I think take that I think advice. before you take that step, I think you should just try and talk to them about it. And if it goes poorly, then I think you should take the step of removing them. Because friendship is so valuable. It's a it's a certainly a crucial element Agreed. of just life in general. And we'll end with a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who says that the glory of friendship is not the outstretched hand. Not the kindly smile, nor the joy of companionship. It is the spiritual inspiration that comes to one when you discover that someone else believes in you and is willing to trust you with a friendship. I know that we certainly trust each other and we believed in this podcast and we've certainly grown as a result of that. Mm -hmm. Find someone who believes in you. Find someone that you believe in. Find someone you trust. And you will be so much more happier than you are in your current friendships. And with that, we close and we thank you all for listening. Go, go share this podcast with one or two or three of your friends, family members. Uh, follow our YouTube, follow our TikToks. Uh, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and engage with us and hopefully we'll have you on a guest spot. And on that note, thank you for listening to the Gen Z Story Podcast.